Awesome. Y'all give the Lord a hand. Y'all can be seated. Listen, this is um, week three of Elephant in the Room, and today, oh my goodness, I'm just telling y'all, I hope y'all are ready, because God already did something pretty crazy in the first service, and I just think it's going to be even better. I think God's about to, to just to just change some of your lives forever. I really believe that. And um, So let me just start with prayer. Will you guys pray with me? God, this morning, no matter what background we come from, no matter what situation we're dealing with, Lord, just open our hearts that we'll receive your word. Spirit, Numa, breath of God, will you just fill us and change us? Because only you can do that, and we can never change ourselves. And it's in the name of Jesus that's above every name that we believe this and we pray this. Amen. So I need you to talk to me. This morning uh, is week three, and it's on spiritual warfare. This was the third most popular question that people wanted to know. And when I first got this, I was excited about it. And then like something exploded. And I don't know if that even makes sense, but something inside of me just exploded in excitement. It's a good thing. And this message, I believe, is is the most anointed, most amazing thing God's ever done in my life. And I hope it will be that way for you. This is, this is honestly like a testimony in my life over the last uh, year and what God has done. So I want to start with kind of an apology. And here's the apology. This apology doesn't really exist for me. It exists for everybody that grew up like me. Uh, I'm so thankful for how I grew up. And I don't want y'all to misunderstand. I'm thankful for my home church and all of those things. I, I don't want y'all to misunderstand or read into what I'm saying. But for so many of you, and I want you to lean in and get this, for so many of you, you've done things a lot of your life that you wish you could stop. And so many people in your lives have shunned you. And I have been one of them. And we say things like this. Man, what's wrong with them? Are y'all with me? Is anybody here this morning? What's wrong with them? How can they keep doing that? Like, how did they fall? How did that drunk go back to alcohol again? Anybody? How did they do that? Has anyone ever done that? Y'all just, y'all just show me that I'm not the only one. Three of you. Okay, that's awesome, right? How do, why, why do they do? And we ask questions like this. What is the matter with them? It's interesting. Matthew 7 says something about a plank in my own eye and a speck in yours. But, but we don't consider this. We consider it just like sin versus sin. And then what we've decided is church, on one hand, some people never talk about sin. And then on the other hand, and it's what some of us grew up with, we have behavioral change is what we believe God's all about. That, that, if, you, that if something happens, then all of your behaviors are better. That nothing, that you should, like, there's no point. Why, why would you possibly keep sinning? This today is not you should keep sinning. This is very much the opposite of that. But I'm telling you right now, what we've done is we've told you to stop. We've even talked about you when you didn't. But we didn't properly tell you how to. We did not properly tell you the battle that you can wage in the, in the war that you're actually fighting. We didn't ever tell you that. We told you to stop. And then we talked about you behind your back when you didn't. And God help us. What did we think we were doing? Because here's the deal. And this is why I feel such a heaviness and a freeness and an excitement. You can win. <laughs> it's awesome. Does that mean you're not going to sin? Nope. You're going to sin. Does that mean you'll never mess up again? No, it means you will mess up. It means all of hell's going to come against you if, you, if I can be honest with you today. But here's the deal. And this is for some of you, and you know who you are. 
You've looked yourself in the mirror. You said, that's not how I was raised. What's wrong with me? And the problem is you've never been dressed for the battle. Last week, we talked about being dressed for the party. Two weeks ago, we talked about Marimna and how the enemy wants to use your stress and anxiety to rip you apart. Well, today, I'm telling you right now, most of us are never dressed for the battle. Because what we think is, I got behavioral therapy because I went to church today and now I get to be better. Did you know God is not concerned with your better? That your good is filthy rags in the sight of God? Did you know that? Did you know that this was never about you? Because I didn't. I didn't. I thought it was about me and I thought it was about me being good enough. I thought it was about me knowing enough and being good enough and trying a little bit harder and maybe fixing some things that need to be fixed. I thought it was about me and it was never about me. And for some of y'all that aren't talking right now, you're going to be kicking things in a few minutes because you're going to have some freedom in your life. I promise you, because it was never about you. Here's what 2 Corinthians says, verse 10, or chapter 10, verse 3 and 4 says, For though we walk in the flesh, and let me explain, that means that for though you walk in your body and you're, you're doing your thing and you're trying to live on your own merit and that's all good, we walk in the flesh and you should. I'm not saying that you should go out and do your thing and just do whatever and whatever happens, happens. That's not what this means. It means that you can't win on your own. Come on, somebody. You can't win on your own and you were never called to. Though we walk in the flesh, we're not waging war according to the flesh. You are at battle with things that you never even looked at above your head right now. <laughs> Ephesians chapter 2 says that, that Satan is the enemy and he is the prince of the power of the air and the God of this world, which means that he is at war with you. He is waging war against you, but he's real smart. 1 Peter 5, 8. Be self-controlled and alert or be sober-minded and alert. Your enemy, the devil, prowls around you like a lion, seeking whom he may devour. Resist him, standing firm in your faith. He's, he's not an idiot. <laughs> like So many times we see that dude, he's like got the pitchfork out right in the horns and he's just some moron. And he's smart. He's in the weeds and he's just waiting on you to back into what you're backing into because you're going to do better. He's like, no, no, no. You're not waging the war. You, you, you're not dressed for the battle. For the weapons of our warfare are not flesh. They're not of my flesh. If these are my weapons, and it is the gun show, but it's just a small gun show. Come on, somebody. If these are my weapons, then I'm in trouble because I'm not fighting you. Husbands and wives, you're not fighting each other. You're fighting a war much bigger than you. And so many times we look and say, I can't believe her. I can't believe him. Our boss screws us over and we think, I can't believe him. But the battle's much bigger than that. And you want to retaliate against them. Retaliate against the, the enemy. It's a spirit war. And you have thought, I got this. You ain't got this. <laughs> because our weapons and our warfare are not of the flesh. but have divine power to destroy strongholds. Or, can I just add to this? And I'm not adding to the Bible. I'm just telling you what it means. Or to bring you to strongholds. You will either have your chains broken or you will add chains today by what you decide and how you respond. You will either be more enchained and say, I can do this. Listen, these aren't chains from Lowe's. Come on, somebody. These are chains that you cannot break. But the Holy Spirit inside of you will break every stronghold. So here's the question. Here's the question. How do we get dressed for the battle? Because here's how I feel. When I thought back through this, here's how I felt. So many times in my life, I've gone to war. And this is fascinating that we're talking about evil. We're talking about war with what happened in Paris this week. If I were to go fight ISIS right now, and I dress what I have on, and it's 110 degrees in Syria or in all the desert places that they're in, 
and they're hidden and they're stealth and no one knows where they are and they have an infrastructure and I come in with this and a rock. Who's going to win? Come on. Three people think ISIS. I guess y'all think I'm pretty good. Come on. Who's going to win? They are. And it's much worse than that. Those are humans. We can find a way. We can, we can maneuver ourselves and be smart enough. So how do we get dressed for the battle? Here's what Ephesians 5 says, and I need y'all to take all this in. Ephesians 5 and 6, I'm only going to look at a few verses in 5, but I, this is fascinating about your home. It's fascinating how the enemy is against your home. Look at what this says. Look carefully then how you walk. Like, like watch. Don't just, don't just go out and bust through the doors. Look carefully how you walk. Not as unwise, but as wise, making the best use of your time. Because the days are, they're evil. I think we would all say amen to that, watching what we watched this week. By the grace of God, some security guards patted down the guy who was going in to blow up people, sitting all around him in the Germany versus France soccer game. And so instead of 130 or whatever it was that ended up dying, it would have been much worse. He says, be careful where you walk. The days are evil. Therefore, do not be foolish. But understand what the will of the Lord is. Well, how do I do that? Well, here's what he says in verse 18. I'm glad you asked. He says, don't get drunk with wine. And everybody, can I tell you how many times I've heard this? And I'm just going, I love them. I'm not calling anybody out. This ain't got nothing to do with alcohol. Can I just tell y'all that? Okay. I'm not saying go get drunk. That's absolutely not what I'm saying. I'm saying this isn't about that. If you leave the last part off of this verse, you have chosen to read the Bible very poorly. Okay. He says, don't get drunk with wine. But get drunk with the Holy Spirit. Because here's what drunkenness does. Debauchery is the things that you do. And some of y'all have been drunk before. Come on, somebody needs to talk to me and be honest in this house now. Y'all have done things. And I'm sure it's them that was watching online. You know, it's not y'all. But people have done, people do things that are so stupid. Y'all talk to me when you, you would never dream about doing them when you're drunk. Is anybody with me? Well, a few of you, come on. And that word means all of the sins of the flesh begin to manifest or come out is what that word means of my body. So as soon as I get drunk, I do these things. Well, check this out. This is what's so cool about the Holy Spirit. When I'm drunk with him, like I don't know how those certain people do those certain things. Like they're just, they, they talk so well and they like, they'll talk to anybody about Jesus. Well, they're drunk with the Holy Ghost and you think that something else is wrong. You think that they're just good. You think that they just have a gift, but you don't understand what the Holy Spirit did in their life. Because you're either drunk with you, you're drunk with wine, if that's the case for you, you're drunk with sex, you're drunk with something else that is of this world, or you're drunk with God. And the only way to do that is not to receive the Holy Spirit, to be filled with the Holy Spirit. Because it's just like drunkenness. Tomorrow, if you got drunk today, are you drunk tomorrow? <laughs> And a normal drunk. Y'all stay with me. Are you drunk though? If you got drunk at five o'clock today, are you going to be drunk at five o'clock tomorrow if you don't touch any more alcohol? No. Nope. You got a headache. <laughs> but you're not drunk, are you? It's the same way with the Holy Spirit. And so many of us have fought a war. And we've said, I'm not going to do this anymore. So I'm good. But we didn't fill it with this. And we care so much what people think. So we talk about them when they're getting drunk because we're doing stuff behind people's backs and they don't know what we're doing so we can hide it. And in our pride, we begin to call everybody else out. And if none of y'all are guilty of that, this guy is. He said, and then how do I know if, if I'm filled? 
if I'm full, if I'm drunk with the Holy Spirit, I address one another in psalms and hymns and spiritual songs, singing and making melodies to the Lord with your heart. So this sounds like us, right? You cut me off in my car and I say, oh God, you are my God. Right? Is that y'all? <laughs> no, he's like, oh, what's wrong with you? What is wrong? Like, and then you mess up in my life or my wife says something to me that, that was short. She's human. She's going to do that. Mark, which one are you? And then interestingly, Paul says, let me tell you why that's a big deal. Here's what, continuing, he says, you should, you should address them with, with love in your heart, with psalms and with singing in your, in your heart. And then verse 20 says, giving thanks always for everything to God the Father in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ. Giving thanks in everything, not in the good things, but in everything. And then this verse I've preached on many times. If you've been at four points at all, you've heard this. This is our honor verse. This is like, this, uh, this is in my office and what I tried to live my life by. But so often I've missed verse 17 and skipped to verse 21. Submitting to one another out of reverence for Christ. What can I do to help? You can't live a what can I do to help honoring lifestyle until you're filled with the Holy Spirit. You can some days that you feel good and you can some days that you got a raise. But we are living a roller coaster Christianity and believing that we can do it on our own. You were never called to do it on your own. And then this is what's fascinating about this verse. Right after this, it says, wives, submit to your husbands as unto the Lord. Husbands, love your wife as Christ loved the church. And many of you have walked out of here and you're married. And you said, I'm going to do better. And you've done better for a couple weeks. And you've done the love dare and you've done every challenge you can do. But you never got filled with the Holy Spirit. And you get frustrated and you throw your hands up and say, she's still crazy. Guess what? Leah lives with someone that's crazy. Come on, somebody. Like, it's going to happen. People are people. So that means people are going to be mean sometimes. People are going to be crazy sometimes. Life is going to happen sometimes. But I find it fascinating that right after this and right before the verse we're going to, he says husbands and then wives. And then guess what? Verse chapter six, verse one. Children, obey your parents and the Lord for this is right. Honor your father and mother for your days will be long. And it's a promise from God. Fathers, verse four, do not provoke your children with anger. And he sandwiches in between putting on the full armor of God and being dressed for the battle with how to be drunk or filled with the Holy Spirit. He sandwiches in there the battle of the home. I believe the number one place the enemy is fighting right now is in the home. And do you know how I know that? Because Christians have the same divorce rate as everybody else. I'm not talking about your past. I know many of you are divorced. I'm talking about the enemy and how he's attacking us. This is not a judgment on you, so don't miss what I'm saying. And many children in our homes, and we say, I've done the best I can. The enemy is fighting. The enemy is fighting. And we've done flesh battles and believe that we've got it. And it is an all-out assault. And then I think this part's cool too. Right before verse 10, it talks about bosses, basically. People that are above you. People in authority positions. And that includes presidents and governors and people in authority. And the reason that I think so many of us hate, and I'm not saying we can't disagree because goodness knows we all disagree with some things some people do, okay? So don't misunderstand what I'm saying, but get this. The reason that I think so many of us hate our ones in authority is because ultimately we're the ones in authority in our own lives and we've never let him have all authority. And it's a picture of honor, but it's also a picture of the filling of the Holy Spirit. And I just think it's fascinating that in there, that's what Paul adds, because then in verse 10, this is what he says. This is how you get dressed for the battle. He says, finally, be strong in the Lord 
After I've said all that, after you understand all of this, be strong in the Lord. And in the strength of his might, does that say in the strength of what I do, in the strength of my brain, in the strength of all I know? Is that what it says? No, it says in the strength of his might. Put on the whole armor of God. Somebody say whole armor. Not half of it, not three quarters of it, not even all but one. Put on the whole armor of God that you may be able to stand against the schemes of the devil. And so many of us, when we're fighting with people or fighting with with a problem or fighting with a habit that becomes something that defines us, I'm going to stop. Listen, it's the schemes of the devil and you're not going to stop on your own. You may go through every 12 step and you may go through everything that you can go through. And those things are great. Don't misunderstand what I'm saying. If you've got a chemical imbalance, take the pill, okay? But ultimately, that's not a fix. And neither is my behavioral management trying to get better. There is only one that can help me. And it's the same power that raised Christ from the dead. Romans 8, 11 is the power that's inside of me and the power inside of you, Christ follower. This is my possibility. And he says, go against the schemes of the devil, verse 12. For we don't wrestle against flesh and blood. Remember 2 Corinthians 10? This battle's not against you and against yourself. And it's not your husband and your wife that's actually fighting. But it's against rulers and against authorities and against the cosmic powers over this present darkness. The prince of the power of the air and all his demons are at war against us constantly. Whether you believe this or not, it is a fact. He is at war for your soul. And once your soul is his, God's, he is at war to ruin your life and make you believe that you can't. And here's the truth. He's right outside of the Holy Spirit. Because our battle is against the present darkness, against the spiritual forces of evil in heavenly places. And we've seen them this week. And the Muslim faith is not completely defined by the way, by ISIS or by the Taliban. That is an extreme group. And I met some wonderfully kind Muslims that invited us into their homes the couple trips I've taken to Israel. But there is a good-sized group of them and the Sunnis that I believe is not worshiping a God who is in heaven. But I believe they're worshiping a God of this world named Satan. Now, they may not believe so, but there is evil flowing through their veins. And they bring evil to places. And they do things that are so outlandish that even us that are fallen people, even the ones of us that are saved, we go, how can that even be possible inside of a person? It's because we are not fighting flesh and blood. When did we think that we could beat this on our own with one missile or one thing? This battle is much bigger The battle for your home is that big. It's not just ISIS. The same enemy that is battling there and killing people and beheading Christians is trying to get your home. And you may never get beheaded. And by the grace of God, I believe that will never happen in his mercy. But I do believe for a fact that every one of you are at war. And we put our head in the sand and say, it's not that big of a deal. It is. So to be dressed for the battle, here's what you got to do. You got to know your enemy and you got to engage properly. You got to know your enemy and engage properly. When I was coaching basketball, um, one thing that I love to do, I mean, I love this. This is kind of a nerd, but I'm just going to be honest with y'all. <laughs> I love to watch film of other teams 
with my two coaching buddies. They're two of my best friends in the world. And we would watch and we would watch. And then we would go watch them. And by the time we put in their locker room, in their lockers, a sheet that had each player and a breakdown of them, we could tell you the type of gum they chew. Come on, somebody. We knew every single thing about the player. He loves to shoot, but he dribbles left one time. Everything about what they're going to do. Why? Because we wanted to know the enemy, and we wanted to know that our boys could engage properly because if they just go in there blind, I got this, I'm good, they're going to get beat. But we're going to do everything in our power to know. And I'm telling you right now, on our own, the enemy is strong. But the one inside of you has already defeated him. He's much stronger. And here's the other thing I want you to know before I read these verses. He knows about you because he has studied you. He cannot get in your mind, Christian. But he knows how your mind operates and he has studied you and watched you and he's watched film of your life. And he is going to attack against your weaknesses just like we did in basketball, only much greater because he's the prince of the power of the world, or excuse me, the prince of the power of the air and the enemy of this world. And so at your home right now, you're like, I, I just want to give up. Well, he's winning because he's watching film and he knows right where to get you. And you're like, yeah, but you don't understand. My husband had an affair. Here's what I do understand. The enemy is at work. And the day that you said I do, you've made a pledge before Almighty God and were sealed under his word. And so it's not just something to play with. And that is why the home, I believe, is the number one thing at, at war against. And I believe we're not dressed for the battle because we don't know how to engage. So here's how he says to engage. Paul says, therefore, take up the whole armor of God that you may be able to withstand in the evil day. And having done all to stand firm, stand therefore having fastened the belt of truth. Is the truth fastened around your life or is it something you hear on Sunday morning and then you leave behind? And having put on the breastplate of righteousness, it's so interesting, debauchery, the, the, the opposite meaning or the antonym is righteousness. And if I believe, righteousness it just means right standing before God or right living. If I believe that my actions, listen, if my actions leads to this word, then I've missed the whole point and the enemy's winning. There's nothing I can do. Nothing. Not standing up here, not studying, not talking to people, not buying someone something. Nothing I can do that earns me this. And we all believe, and I'm just convinced it doesn't matter what church you grew up to, all of us think, well, if I just do a little bit more good, then I'm okay. But the Bible says that your righteousness or your good deeds are filthy rags in the sight of God. Why? Because he's holy and he's perfect and he's blameless and he'll never sin. But he loves you enough to give you his righteousness when you let him clothe you with it. That's awesome. And he says, listen, put that on. Don't try to put you on. Don't try to defeat the enemy with your own righteousness because you've already lost. And so many of us do that. And our pride just wells up. I got this. I got it. Pastor, just... Keep going because I got this part. Okay. Verse 15. And as shoes for your feet, not Jordans, but they nice, sorry. As shoes for your feet, having put on the readiness given, the readiness given by the gospel of peace. So many of us want peace in our lives. You're like, Pastor, I give anything to have peace in my home. Anybody? Nobody wants peace in their home. It happens through the gospel. What's the gospel? It's not four books in the New Testament. 
It's the good news about Jesus. It's the fact that every book in the Old Testament, from Genesis all the way to the New Testament in Revelation, everything points toward the cross and the finished work that Jesus did there and the resurrection that sealed us and his Holy Spirit that he left for us and gave us. That is the gospel. And so when I want to have peace in my life and walk and go, remember, don't walk as unwise, but as wise, I have to have the gospel of peace on my feet, ready to move me where he will move me. But this can't happen on my own. 16. In all circumstances, take up the shield of faith. If I have faith of a mustard seed, I can move mountains. But that faith is not in me. And I'm going to show you in a minute with the life of Peter how so many of us have put up the shield of our faith and we have faith in God, but it's also in what we can do. That was never about that. Having the true shield of faith is not having faith that I can do it. It's having the faith that he already has. And that's what we miss so often with which you can extinguish. You don't just fight them off. You extinguish. You put out the flame of the flaming darts of the evil one. I can extinguish. He is the fire extinguisher. Who cares about his fire? And take up the helmet of salvation. Listen to me carefully. Some of you sitting under my voice right now, you've never trusted Jesus as Savior. And without the helmet of salvation, there's no hedge of protection over you. When Satan was going after Job in Job chapter 1, there's a cosmic meeting. It's kind of crazy because it's angels and Satan's there and they have this like meeting. And he says, how about that? How about Job? This is what God said. How about Job? He's righteous before me because he trusts me. And he says, yeah, but verse 10, there's a hedge over him and I can't get to him. Did you know there was a hedge of protection over you when you've trusted Jesus Christ? And it's the helmet of salvation that he sealed you and he put it over you and his banner over you. Nothing can get to you as a result of his hedge. Psalm 91 describes this hedge. It's fascinating. But anytime you are concerned for your home and your life, remind yourself that there is a hedge over you like a force field of the Holy Spirit. Come on, that's good news. And no one can get to you. They can have your stuff, but they cannot get to you. And the sword of the Spirit, which is the Word of God. And listen, I'm just telling you, this is the one thing when we go to war. This is the one thing that we can be on the offensive with. I hear people say, why should I read the Bible every day? It seems like it's not that big of a deal and God doesn't do a check mark. You're right. Don't ever read it to get God off your back. Read it to fight the enemy off. When I have the Bible hidden in my heart, this is what Psalm 119 against God, I hide his word in my heart that I might not sin against you. Does that mean all of a sudden I start doing good things? No, it means I know his promises and I live by them, I walk by them and I fight off the enemy with the sword of the spirit. And then verse 18. And this is where I think a lot of us know this stuff, but we miss it. Like this one thing. It says praying at all times, Can y'all say it out loud? I want everybody to participate. Starting right here, these three words. Praying at all times. In the Spirit. Spirit. How do you do that? Does that mean like you you get saved so you just start praying? Because I believe that's prayer and I believe that's powerful. But I believe this is different. I believe prayer in the Spirit is a shift that takes place in your life. And for many of you, this will be the first time you've heard something like this but it's just different. People have asked me to describe this. Something shifted in my life last October, so a little over a year ago. I was in Israel, I was praying with my friends and he said, you have the Holy Spirit and he fills you at times. 
But have you ever prayed for a filling of the Holy Spirit? I was like, I thought we got that the day we got saved. Your pastor, this was new. <laughs> and he said, do you ever pray in the Spirit? Because Romans 8, 26 and 7 says, when, my, when I'm hurting so bad that I don't even know what to pray, he prays on my behalf, the Holy Spirit, with utterances or words that no one can understand. Listen, people get confused that this is only about speaking in tongues out loud into a microphone and they think it's crazy. And 1 Corinthians 14 describes that people take it too far. This isn't about wearing too much makeup or no makeup at all, okay? This isn't about a denomination. This is about when I'm fighting a battle that's bigger than me and I don't even know what to pray. I just get silent before God and let him pray on my behalf because he has already filled me and he prays for me. And it's crazy because so many of us have never heard this and we're like, have you lost your mind? I'm just telling you what God has done in my life as he's made me understand that this was never about me. It says, with all prayer and supplication, to that end, keep alert with perseverance. So pray with your eyes open. Pray with your eyes open in this case. It's all good. You don't have to sound like a crazy person. You don't have to sound like a crazy person in front of people. This isn't about that. This is about this, Numa, the breath of God filling our lives, not about me filling my life. And, and it's not just when you get saved, it's every day Him making you new. It's about me no longer being the boss and thinking that I can defeat everything. It's about Him greater in me than I am. And it says with all supplication, with all prayer, with everything that happens, be alert in Nehemiah chapter four. They're building the wall back, if y'all know that story. And he told them, keep your swords on your hip and stay alert and pray constantly. And this is the picture of that. Knowing that the enemy is all around me and he's attacking me at all times. I'm just believing God for stuff constantly in my life, knowing that the enemy is going to shoot darts and try to kill me at all times. And he hates our guts. And no one, listen, I'm just going to be real with y'all right now. I can't win on my own. I'm not too proud to admit this. I will screw this thing up so bad this week. I'm going to mess up this week. But I'm not trying to win on my own. I'm not trying to defeat all these things that I've struggled with on my own. I'm not believing that I'm going to fall like other people have in the past. Because I'm believing that he will stand with me. And it's on him. And he sealed me and he's got me and I'm his. And I never had to win on my own and I fought so hard and I've tried to have behavioral therapy and get better and never let him. He says, with all perseverance, making supplication for everybody that I love, praying over every single person. And then he says this in verse 19, listen. And also for me that, don't miss this, that words may be given to me in opening my mouth boldly to proclaim the mysteries of the gospel for which I am an ambassador in chains. In chains. Somebody say in chains. In chains. You're all in chains. Listen, don't miss this. Everybody's in chains in something. That's what, that's what it said in chapter 5, didn't it? That's what it said in 2 Corinthians 10. I'm in chains. It's just what chains I choose to be in. I'm yoked, but it's what yoke I choose to be in. And he says, listen, my bondage is not a bad thing. My bondage is the Lord Jesus, who His Holy Spirit is inside of me and every day. My chains are not bad. My chains are life and hope and freedom. 
And it's no longer about me fixing everything. He's already fixed it. It's no longer about me defeating the enemy. I can never defeat a spirit. He's already defeated all of them. Why try? He's got me. And I'm in chains, but I'm not in the enemy's chains anymore. I'm not going to try to beat him. That I may declare it boldly as I ought to speak. And so here's the thing, and this is what I want y'all to get. If y'all have stayed with me to this point, I'm going to land the plane pretty fast, but I want y'all to get this, man. This is the thing that I believe will change your life. To be dressed for the battle, we must be filled with the Holy Spirit. To be fully dressed for the battle every single day and know that it's not about you. You have to be filled with his spirit, not filled with you. And the enemy will whisper in your ear, this is stupid, you don't need this. He'll whisper right beside you, you don't need this. This is what Ephesians 1 said. In him, you also, every person in here that's saved, you also, when you heard the word of truth, the gospel of your salvation and believed in him, you were sealed with the promise of the Holy Spirit. So listen, don't miss this. Every single one of you, that is saved, received the Holy Spirit the day you got saved. And listen, you received as much of him as you can possibly ever get. You don't get more of him. You got all of him. But here's the deal. Verse 14. He guarantees our inheritance until we acquire possession of it. Which means until we go to heaven, until we die or until Jesus comes, he's the seal. He's He's that king seal on our lives. Praise his glory. Praise the Lord for that. That is awesome. But but I want y'all, this is it. This is it. Salvation is our seal and you have the Holy Spirit. Just like I have this QT cup. (laughs) We all receive the Holy Spirit the day we were saved. So for every person in here that's not saved, stay with me because you're going to get that in a minute. But this is it for a lot of you. You say, Pastor, I'm saved. I can never get more of this. Do y'all, do y'all agree with that? I need you to talk to me. Can I ever have more of this one cup? Three of you. Can I ever have more of this one cup? Never. I bought it. I love it. I fill it up with some coffee. Come on now, somebody. I, I, and I stop at QT and I get it full. But if I don't stop at QT or make a pot of coffee, there's nothing in it. And I say, well, I got my cup. What happened? We didn't get filled up. I didn't get spirit filled because I don't ask. We have not because we ask not. The Holy Spirit, listen to this, is a gentleman and he's waiting on you. He will not just barge in and say, I saved you. Now let me have all of you every single day. Let me fill your life. And we fight our battles and it was never yours to fight the same spirit that is living in you is the spirit that raised Christ from the dead, the pneuma, the breath of God. He left his spirit, so we'll do greater things than he ever did. And yet we walk out every day and say, I can do this. You can't. He's waiting on you to turn that cup upside down and be filled every single day. Every single day to be filled. And that's what the word baptized, many people have used that word before in the Holy Spirit is, and this is how I'll close. Story of Peter. Peter, that's my testimony. Peter walks out, man, he's that dude. You know what I'm talking about? He's John Wayne of the disciples. He's the alpha male. He's like, what's up? I got this. No one can just stop me. I'm not doing He's the one that asked Jesus, hey, man, who's going to sit on your right hand? I know the answer. It's this guy, right? I'm the man. He's the one that in his own faith, remember me saying this earlier, in his own faith, he stepped out of the boat. He knew Jesus would do it, but he also had faith in him. 
And he kept going and he was, he was fantastic. He cut the, the ear of the soldier off when they came to get Jesus. And just a few minutes earlier, Jesus had said, listen, you're going to deny me three times while I'm about to die on the cross. You know what Peter said? I would rather die. I'd rather die than that happen. And listen, I believe in all my heart he meant that. And I've said things like that so many times. I'd rather die than not, not, not never. But it was in my own merit. I'll never, I'll never, I'm going to stop. I'll never do this again. I'm going to fix my own behavior. I'm going to live for Jesus. He go, Jesus goes to Caiaphas' house when he's arrested. And he's being tried and beaten. Sitting on the steps just short of the house. There's a, a campfire kind of standing around there and people are all whispering, I think that's Jesus. And then someone looks at Peter and says, hey, you're one of the disciples. No, no, no. Wrong. <laughs> hey, aren't you one of the disciples? Nope. And then the Bible says that a girl, a young girl. We're talking about a grown man that was the alpha, right? The one that could never met. He was that dude. He was cutting ears off of soldiers. He wasn't scared. And in his own pride, believing that he could do it on his own, he said, he cursed and said, I have never known him. And then he saw Jesus and he was crushed because he realized that he couldn't do it. He was filled with joy. Jesus raised from the dead. He saw the resurrected Jesus. It was stinking amazing. But even at that, can you imagine how defeated you feel when the opportunity to say, I'm with him. Take me to death. I don't care. I'd rather die than deny you. And he denies him three times. And so even after he saw him resurrected, he goes back to his home in Capernaum, about an hour and a half drive. So it took a while to get there. And he's fishing again. And Jesus sees him out there when Jesus came to visit him after he was resurrected. He said, y'all don't catch anything, John 21. Throw those nets to the other side. Like, Who is this cat? And he throws his nets to the other side. And there were so many fish. It was sinking the boat. And they come back in. And this is what he said. Hey, man, do you love me? He's like, why are you asking me this question? You know I love you. Feed my sheep. Do you love me? Feed my lambs. The third time, do you love me? And I think Jesus was saying, man, you never understood the point. This was never about you. I said, do you love me? Not do you love what I do for you? I said, do you love me? Not, not the magic that I can turn on you in your life. I, I said, do you love me with all your heart? A few days later, they walk back to Jerusalem. They walk up on the Mount of Olives and Jesus ascends into heaven. And 10 days after that, Pentecost took place. But here's what Acts chapter 1 said, and this is good news. This is good news for every one of you whose home's falling apart. This is good news for every one of you that feels like giving up. This is what the Bible says happened to Peter. In Acts 1.8 it says, for John baptized with water. But you will be baptized with the Holy Spirit not many days from now. You believe that you were defeated, and you were. And you believe that you denied me, and I can never use you. And Jesus told Peter, upon this rock I'll build my church, and the gates of hell will not will not prevail against it and, and Peter thought that's right I'm the rock come on it's me but the name Peter means pebble he forgot to understand that the rock that everything's built on the cornerstone that we all rejected was Jesus and he left his Holy Spirit and he said no the rock is not you the rock is the one that I'm going to place inside of you because in just a few days you're going to have him and you'll receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you and you'll be my witnesses in Jerusalem and Judea and Samaria and the ends of the earth. Ten days after this, 
They're back in the upper room where they had the Last Supper and the Holy Spirit falls on them. And the Bible says fire was above their head and they spoke in a tongue that was, everybody thought was crazy that was around. People began to gather around and 3,000 were saved and baptized that day. The same dude that 50 days earlier denied Christ and cursed to a, a girl and two other people. Where does that come from? It's not me. It's the Holy Spirit inside of me. And he no longer wanted to have some of him. He no longer wanted to be a part of him. And then he understood that he wasn't the rock, that he was the pebble, God was the rock. And he said, man, just fill me. And for the rest of his life, did he mess up every day? But he, he never denied Christ again. He walked with him, even in his screw ups. And he was crucified upside down because he said, I'm not worthy to be killed like God was like Jesus was. Listen, that never happens if it's on him and on his merit. And here's what I really believe in this room. Many of us are like Peter. We've received Christ and we've tried really hard. We've, we've tried behavioral therapy. We've tried therapy itself, right? We've tried every drug you can imagine. We've tried alcohol. Here's what I think is so awesome about Peter. While Peter was proclaiming Jesus in Acts 2, the people said, that guy's drunk. All those people are drunk. Y'all remember, don't get drunk with wine, but be filled with the Spirit. He said, listen, it's 9 a.m. I'm not drunk on wine. I'm drunk with the Holy Spirit. I'm filled with him. That's, that's what we're offering today. Because I believe many of you just want to throw your hands up and say, I quit. I believe many of you say, this is too much. And many of you have tried everything that you can try and you don't know what to try anymore. This isn't magic. You're not going to have a spell come over you. This isn't weird. This is simply a step of faith saying every single day, I want to be filled with the Holy Spirit. This is simply turning your cup upside down and saying, God, every day I want you to fill me. I don't want this to be about me. I want this to be about you. The day you got saved, you got all the Holy Spirit you can get, but he's waiting on you to say, fill me, cover me every day. Breathe into my life so that I can walk in you, so that I can sing hymns when I don't even want to sing hymns. And for every one of you that want to give up, we, we made extra room down here because we want you to have a chance to just lay before God, get on your face and say, Holy Spirit, I want your filling. I want my cup overflowing and I'm going to do it again tomorrow. And I'm going to go do it again the next day. This is not salvation and this is not a fix. This is the Holy Spirit of God fighting on your behalf. And if you know you need that, and I believe it's many of you in this room, I want you to come. And if you've never been saved, you've never given Jesus all of your life and saying, I want to trust you and you be my Savior and Lord. I want you to stand up right here and we want to help you walk in those steps. I'm not going to try to woo you, but if anybody in here wants to be filled with the Holy Spirit, I just want you to come down right now and I want you to pray in front of God and everybody. And if you've already got him, I want you to stay right where you are. If you're already filled with the Holy Spirit, you stay seated. But for every person that knows that you cannot win this battle on your own, and you've never been filled with the Holy Spirit. Come on right now. Come on right now. I'm tired of fighting this battle on my own. And I want to be filled with the Holy Spirit. I'm tired of fighting this battle on my own. And I want to be filled with the Holy Spirit. If that's you, then come on down front. And listen, if it's not you, here's what every person in this section and every person in this section saying. And if that's you, that's awesome. But I just want you to know what you're saying. And if that's good, that's good. I've got it. I'm already there. And if you're not there, 
don't let anything keep you because I'm not saying there's something about this but I promise you if you stay where you are you'll keep staying where you are and you'll keep wondering why you're struggling like you're struggling you're going you're going to face hell every day but there's something about being filled with his holy spirit that shifts everything and change everything